mothers have always had high hopes for their children, right? Dreams for your kids. Ladies, I mean, don't you have dreams for your kids? And, and most of the time the dream isn't that they will, you know, like I end up being a triple felon and, and <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> spend 40 years behind bars or anything like that. And uh, it's, it's usually, it's, if anything, it's usually the opposite. Mothers want the best for their kids. In fact, what we find is that they're almost willing to do anything to make that happen, right? Even when it's not right, right? Another story I, I would have was when my mother, and she, of course you've had to find out this later on when there was no money and mom would take us all to the grocery store. When we were kids, little ones, and I don't know how big she was then, but she, got, she grew in size uh, as life went on. And, and uh, she would go through and grab biscuits and whatever she could tuck into her. her and, and, and so, she would, so that we would have plenty to eat. And that was her trip to the grocery store. And it's a bad thing, but she, was, she will do anything. A mother will do anything. Now, I, I think of uh, some of the mothers in the Bible and, and some of the things that we see in Scripture. Sarah was the mother of Isaac, and she kind of got a late start in motherhood. In fact, she thought she was not going to have children, and, and, and she knew that God had made a promise to her husband that he'd raise up a whole nation. He would be the father of nations, and, and Sarah took things into her own hands. Since she wasn't having children, she gave him her maid, Hagar, and and that was the beginning of a lot of troubles. Eventually, she had a child. And perhaps what we can learn from Sarah is that some things, some good things can come to those who, are, who wait patiently and faithfully on God. Uh, Rebecca, that was the mother of Jacob and Esau, two guys who had lots of tension. Jacob was, uh, not the, was not the favorite of his father. Esau was the favorite of his father because Esau was kind of a woodsman, you know. Jacob was the kind that stayed around the house. So Rebecca, you know, you, you had this thing going. Isaac favored Esau, uh, and dad favored Esau, and mom favored Jacob. And, and uh, we talk about Jacob as being a conniver, but he got it from his mom. Because okay? she did anything, she did everything and anything to, to deceive her husband so that Jacob, her favorite, would get the blessing and would get the inheritance. Uh, uh, and that, again, in all of her conniving, in all that she felt like she had to do, caused a lot of problems, didn't it? There was another one named Bathsheba. Now, she was, she was somebody else's wife, and King David spied her. You know, I guess he was up on the top of the roof in what, what we, we, we call ancient window peeking. <laughs> and he saw her bathing and decided he was, I'm sorry, just that's what happened, right? He saw her bathing. He shouldn't have been looking in somebody else's window. Uh, the king, come on. And so he, and he takes her uh, to his, he sends for her. He's the king. He can do anything he wants. Her husband was off at war, and all of a sudden, uh, she turns up pregnant, and she sends word to David, and David says, hmm, I'm in a tight spot here. So to cover his own tracks, he has Uriah killed at the war, okay? Disgusting stuff, and then brings Bathsheba in, and she becomes one of his wives, and as, as big as a, of a mess as that was, and you can read about it and how God sorted all of that out, as big as that was, as big a mess as that was, that child became King Solomon. And so the story behind, you might say one of the, the things that you can find out, maybe you can take, maybe you didn't start off so good, ladies, I don't know. 
Most of us have things that we wish we hadn't done. I don't care if you're, you're, you're a man or a woman. Perhaps what you could find here is that regardless of the circumstances surrounding your pregnancy and the birth of your child, God can redeem about any situation. It's good news. Good news. Then there's Jochebed, mother of Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. They were enslaved in, in, in Egypt, and the, the, the Israelites were growing by leaps and bounds. The population was exceeding the population of Egypt. And that concerned the Egyptians to the degree that they made a decree. The Pharaoh made a decree that if you had a male child, you've got to throw them in the Nile. Uh, it was pretty, it's pretty interesting that Jochebed, that was her name, that was mom's name, and the other midwives were just, uh, were in a sense saying to the, the Pharaoh, that's not going to happen. Uh, well, these Hebrew women, when, they, when they're so hardy, they just, before we get there, they give birth. And uh, when, it, when she could not hide him any longer, she put him in a wicker basket and, and set him adrift on the Nile. Now, we know the rest of the story. Perhaps a, a, mother's, a mother like Jochebed will show us that the determination and ingenuity of a desperate mother can result in some surprising things. And, of course, that brings us to Mary the mother of Jesus. We know about the angelic visitors that came and said, you're going to be, be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and you'll have a child. And then we, we read along in the, in the New Testament, we find things like he's 12 years old, he's in the temple, he's, uh, he, they accidentally left him behind. Then when they discovered he wasn't with the family, they went back to Jerusalem and, he's, and, and they find him in the temple. And they're a little ticked off, you can tell. It, it doesn't say that, but it's right there in the scripture. Okay? You just have to read by, between the lines. They were ticked off. They said, why have you treated us this way? And he looked at them and said, didn't you, didn't you know I was going to be in my father's house? And then he went home with them. See that, and you see stories like when he turned water into wine at a wedding. Okay? And then, and I'm, I'm fast-forwarding. I'm going fast, quickly here. And we see the ministry, and we finally see uh, Mary. Uh, perhaps not finally, but we see Mary at the foot of the, the cross. Everybody else, almost everybody else had scattered and run th- because of fear. But we see mom, she's hanging in there. Doesn't matter. You know, I say that... Uh, Disciples may scatter, followers may, may be in hiding, but a mother stays when the rest of the world will walk away. This is good stuff, okay? These things in the Bible, the, the moms are perhaps in the Bible reveal to us that mother love is fierce and stubborn, even to a fault, even wrong-headed sometimes. Uh, they do the right things, perhaps for the wrong reasons, the wrong things because they think everybody needs their help. <laughs> I see people go, yeah, 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 mom, mom. I could use a little less help, mom. <laughs> now, I'm thinking this morning of a perfect gift for mom. This is uh, this family games, and, and people are trying to survive out there, right? But we know in the scripture that the scripture tells us how to survive. How to live in such a way. And the, our, our survival in accordance with the word of God is not, is not about taking somebody else out. God gives us a plan and, 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 and a way to live in scripture that not only uh, helps us to survive, but helps us to bless other people. Okay? We don't always see that because we think we know what's right. 
Sarah thought, well, I'm going to help God out, so I'm going to give, you know, all, you know, and then, and what do we got? And then we've got another race of people out there, and we got all these problems, and the difficulties between her and, and Hagar and the rest of the world, and, and all of those things, okay? There's all kinds of problems when mom tries to get in the way. I mean, have you ever gotten in the way of God, ladies? I'm hearing yes, 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 yes. Why? Because we want it so desperately the right things for our kids sometimes, right? It's not necessarily a good thing not to trust God. Now, the perfect gift for mom. This kind of gets us into a different thing. I remember seeing a commercial back in November, December. Maybe if you watched television, you would have seen this commercial. There was this guy, he's standing in the, in the driveway with, uh, with his wife. And, you know, it's, it's the car commercial. You know, at, at December, what do you have? You've got big red bows on big cars, right? And he pulls this, this car cover over, and here is a smart car. And she's ecstatic. You know what a smart car is? It's kind of like a two-seater little thing. It's got a big bow on it, and, and but you know it's kind of kind of cool for golf. <laughs> you know, but I've seen them going down the highway at seventy, so you know they must be quite capable. But here he pulls this off, and she's just ecstatic. She's jumping up and down, and then you know the camera pans to the street. And they're standing in the driveway, and slowly down the road comes a. A load, I'm sure it was loaded. Buick LaCrosse. And she and her, her gaze does this. So, and he's standing there holding the keys to the smart car, and she's doing transfixed. Now the smart car was pretty cool, but I don't think it was exactly what she wanted. And you know what? We really, we really rack our brains at, at, uh, at times of gift-giving and perhaps at, at Mother's Day, uh, which is a time of gift-giving for a perfect gift for mom, for, for someone. Yet, in spite of all our intentions and our efforts, I think that many of us are guilty of giving mom something less than she really wants. Chocolates are, are great. Yeah. By the way, guys, unless she really likes milk chocolate, go for the other And almost, I mean, and not too dark, but dark. They like that? Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> help me here. Help me here. Uh, chocolates are good. Flowers and cards are good. But, and, and the mothers that I know, and the mothers that I know, I, I you know, and, and I say I, I know, I, you know, look, I, I really, there's a lot of, the, a lot of you here are mothers. And quite frankly, um, some of the, the, some of the, a lot of the participants and a lot of the partners that we have here in ministry, just a, I know them. And I can look into their eyes and I see a different kind of a desire. You might say, I see a desire, a, dry, a, dry, a driven need that takes center stage in their life. And it, has, and it has to do with the lives of their children. Now, as far as I can see, mothers want their children to be healthy and happy, to get a good education, to make life friends who will be good companions. They want them to make good life decisions. They want their children to keep themselves pure because, interestingly enough, 
many of us know what the other side is like, and we don't think we don't want that for our kids. Okay? They want them to find, this is what mothers want for their children. Uh, they want them to find the perfect mate. They want them to love and to be loved and to give love. They want to live in the wholesome values that she has tried to plant and give to them. Okay? And often it doesn't work out that way, does it? Kids take side trips. And for whatever reason, everybody has a mind of their own. And children will often take those and make those kinds of dreams come crashing in. Now, I want to turn to Luke 7. That was a long intro, wasn't it? I'll try to make the sermon short. Luke 7. This is about a widow. And again, remember, this is about giving mom the perfect gift. What is it she really wants? I don't think it was a lacrosse. Okay. Soon afterwards, he, Jesus, went to the city called Nain. And his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd, huge group of people with him. This was before they turned on him. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And, he was, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When, when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep. If the story had ended up there, we would have said, well, he's just kind of out of touch. Jesus is out of touch. Of course she's weeping. She's a widow, and this is her only son. There was, there was, and we could talk about there's no Social Security, there's no welfare, there's none of those things, and here we have a mom who's going to go into poverty, into begging. Okay? That was just the reality of those times. Okay? And he said, don't weep, quit crying. And he came up and he touched the coffin. And the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. It says the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. I, you know, I <laughs> just sat up and began to speak. That had to give, I don't know, probably excitement, fear, astonishment. Uh, who knows, maybe I didn't say this, but, but I wouldn't doubt if some would have run away. Amazing. He gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out all over Judea and the surrounding, surrounding district. Now, if you follow the scriptures, you'll find that that kind of a thing happened both with Elijah and Elisha. Okay? Something like that, along those lines, happened with both of those, those prophets. That's why they said, Hey, a great prophet has come. They knew the signs. They knew the signs of, of God. They were glorifying God. But let's look at this. Let's look at this just really quickly because uh, we've got, you know, it's Mother's Day and I'm, I'm, we're talking about a perfect gift and what we have, I mean, it couldn't have gotten any better than that for her, right? But there's more there because when Jesus raised people from the dead, 
He was doing more than raising people from the dead. He was projecting a message about who he was. Later on, we find in the book of John, he would, he would say something like, after that, he says, I, I am uh, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will never die. Even though he should die, he will live forever. See, there was always the spiritual dimension to the physical. The physical was simply a shadow and perhaps a a slideshow for what God was trying to really say to the people and say, I am the resurrection life. You believe in me, you will live forever. So, So when we see Jesus doing these things, we recognize that there's something else happening here. There's another message that he's giving. It says he touched, he touched the, I believe it says he touched the coffin. And the bearers came to a halt and he said, I say to you, young man, arise. And he sat up and began to speak and get, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Just a couple things I want to say. Up until the time that Jesus came on the scene, it was just another funeral. Just another funeral. Uh, Lots of sadness beyond the capacity of anyone to do anything about. Just to to bury the body and to grieve and to go on. Okay, That was all there was to that day. That's all that was planned. But what I I want to say to you, that that's how life is unless you bring Jesus into the picture. Everything in life is, is, is pretty much uh, uh, mechanically uh, uh, determined and predictable until you bring Jesus into the picture, until Jesus comes on the scene. Now, in this case, we're, we're, we're thinking he just kind of happened upon the scene. I don't believe that to be the, the case. But now we have come to the place where we can trust and embrace, embrace God and say, come into, into my situation and begin to work in my life. As I think about mothers, I think about that widow, I think about mothers and the dreams that they had for their children. Every dream for this woman about her son was shattered that day until Jesus came in. You may be sitting here as a mom and you're wondering where your kids are going to be. You may be sitting here as a mom and and you're looking at your children and you're wondering where you went wrong. You've done everything that you knew to do. You've prayed for them. You've you've languished over them. You've fasted. You lost three dress sizes fasting. Anguish, you have some extra lines on your face because of your concern and your love for your kids. You're wondering what's next. When Jesus comes on the scene, it's not, o- and it's not over when he comes on the scene. Without him, we know where this is going. With him, the hopes and the dreams that are, are buried and but alive and burning in the hearts of mothers. 
can come to fruition. Does that make sense to you? The power of God's visitation in any life is transforming or can be transforming. You can sit down and say, whoa, that was nice, and then go on and live the way you want to live. Or you can say, God has come to me. God has transformed me, and I will follow him. The power of God's visitation. If you give your life to Jesus, he truly will raise you from the dead. Okay? Remember the passage of the scripture when the man uh, said, look, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me go back and bury my father. He said, and he said something that many of us don't understand. And thought was a little bit cruel. He said, you, you follow me, let the dead bury the dead. What he was referring to was the simple truth that without Christ in our lives, without Jesus in our life, we're dead while we're living. Had a little girl in my office just a little while ago. She stopped in. A girl that I'd, I'd known. Just, she's part of the church way back. She's grown up so big. <laughs> and she's taken a side trip. She's taken a side trip. It's been about a, a seven or eight year side trip, I think. And, but she's getting it now. She's got some scars. You know what I mean? The side trips always give you scars. Always give you scars. Always leave their footprints on your heart and your soul. And they leave you with some battle scars. And you thought it was going to be fun. These side trips that we think are going to be fun always leave us with scars and have the potential, if we're not careful, to destroy us. I know this. I know this with all of my heart. I know this with all of my heart, mothers, that when God comes, and we can ask him to come, when God comes, when Jesus comes and touches the life of our children, when they receive, when they get to the place where they will say, yes, God, I have tried all these other things and my heart is empty and my soul is dark and all the things that were worthwhile to me are, are, are in shambles at my feet. My innocence is lost. I know now, I know now what you meant I, I didn't understand what I had until I lost it. But not to worry. Jesus raises the dead. <laughs> not to worry. Jesus raises the dead. He will take that which has, which has, has been uh, labeled and, 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 and directed toward destruction and pull it out of the grave. Even though it's dead, so shall it live because Jesus has stepped into the picture. Children, I don't know where you are today. Children. Young people don't know where you are today. I know there's lots of things pushing you and pulling you in different directions. But I want you to know that Jesus redeems. I want you to know that Jesus redeems. I want you to know that Jesus puts you back on track. 
I want you to know that he heals and he delivers and he strengthens. He repurifies. He puts your soul and your heart in the right place with him. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. When he comes, he has the power to transform the present situation. He did it with the widow of Nain. It was a funeral. It turned into a party. (laughs) He gives, when he comes, he gives a new chance at life. A clean new chance at life. When he comes, he's able to correct some behavior. And when he comes and he touches, he brings new hope. Come, musicians. He brings new hope. Yes. (laughs) The moms that I know would trade all the chocolates and the flowers and the cards in the world for a glimpse of their children or their husband or the people that they care about at the feet of Jesus. They would trade... They trade the spa trips, dinners out to witness them making life decisions evidenced by personal devotional life in Jesus. I don't know where you are today. We're going to sing Hosanna. Can we sing Hosanna? No, you go ahead and sing. You have you have the, those words. We're going to worship. It's good news. It's good news all over again. <laughs> I don't care where you are, where you've been. I, you know, he raises the dead, folks. He changes situations. I don't, it may look really dark. I mean, I don't know how darker it could have been for that, that widow at Nain. The widow at Nain. I have no idea how darker it could have been. Her son was dead. Dead as a doornail. It was over. God can turn things around. Not only for her, but for you. He's alive and well today. I don't know what your situation is, what, what, you, what you would like to see God change. But he's available. And all you have to do is go to him and ask. So Jesus, I need you to raise the dead again. (laughs) I need you to raise the dead again. I need you to change my life. I need you to take away the sin. I need you to take away the scars of the sin, the scars of my life. I want a new deal. I want a new deal. I want a new deal. This altar is open for anyone who who wants to pray. God, speak into your heart. Come and pray. Come and pray as we worship. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming on a Mother's Day. There are flowers for the mothers as they leave today. I think, I think we've got some kids out front, some of our youth out front, uh, outside with a table with some baked goods. I think that's another missions fundraiser. And, and of course, Tom and Jim are back here, and, and, and they're there to answer any of your questions about the Haiti trip. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus today. Enjoy and honor the mothers that are in your lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.